It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I would say the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager shirts is about to get a hell of a lot more interesting based on what happened tonight with the Toronto Maple Leafs losing. That's coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Endless Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. Remember, this is your team every day. We're recording this directly after the Maple Leafs 3-2 loss to the Florida Panthers. The Leafs are out. We have a Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, Eastern Conference Final. If you are someone that picked that as a conference final before the playoffs started, I ask that you step forward. There are probably not many of you out there. I'm sure there maybe are some. Step forward. I, I, I did not see that coming in a billion years. Those two teams playing each other conference final. First time the Panthers are in an Eastern Conference Final since 1996. If you can believe it. Yup. Yeah, before I was born. God, I feel man, I, I feel young after saying that. I know people that there are probably people listening to this podcast that are a lot older than me. Yeah, I know. You probably should feel old now. But Leafs are out in five games, and well, first, cheers to that. <laughs> but you you all know what that means. Kyle Dubas. Fenway Sports Group, they will probably be calling the Toronto Maple Leafs in, well, what time is it? About 10.30. What, 15 minutes? No, I'm just messing around. But <laughs> tomorrow, Sunday, maybe they'll let them breathe a little bit. They, the, the team has to make a decision on what they're going to do with this management, this coaching staff. The ownership group is not going to be happy that they just bowed out in five games to the last place team that got in. I know they beat the Bruins, but this team had high expectations coming to the playoffs. They finally got the monkey off their backs and beat the bomb and not the Boston and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning to get their first series win in 19 years. And that was all for nothing as they got waxed by the Panthers in five games. Well, I shouldn't say waxed. These games were kind of close, but still losing in five games is never good. This was always, I think, the worst case scenario for the Leafs. You win game four and then you lose game five in front of your home fans who are just going to boo you off the ice. Your management's watching. Your ownership groups are watching. It is not going to be a fun time there these next couple days, but this is about to make the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager search a lot more interesting. Right when Fenway Sports Group had their press conference, I think it was Mike Stevens and a couple other people were saying they've already heard rumblings that the, that the Fenway was going to throw a bag at Kyle. If he gets out early enough, there's a chance that can happen now. The Penguins will have the authority to throw all sorts of money at him I think they see him as a Theo Epstein kind of guy. And they will also have the authority to give him all the power in terms of the hockey ops decisions. Right now, 
Dubis is only the GM. There's Brandon Shanahan is above him. He is the president of hockey operations. I'm not sure if he'll have his job after this. We'll have to see. But Penguins don't have a president of hockey ops or GM right now, obviously. But per Frank Cervalli, they are going to hire both positions. They could easily give that first one, the president of hockey ops to Dubas. Heck, they can even give him the general manager role as well. Just two peas in a pod there. They will have that authority. It all comes down to A, whether Toronto wants to keep him. And if they don't, B, would he take the Pittsburgh Penguins job? Before that, let's get into, you know, overall, how is how a good of a fit is Dubas here? Let's look at some of the positives and negatives, right? Is he an upgrade over the previous regime? Yes. I think that's a resounding yes. Honestly, anyone that is listening or watching this show, you would be an upgrade over Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. That, that is how bad of a job that they did. Mostly Hextall because he mostly made all the decisions. You would be an upgrade. Is he innovative? Yes. That's what Fenway said they're looking for in the press conference. Is he analytically inclined? Yes. Is he a forward thinker? Yes. They said all of that during their press conference four weeks ago, if you can believe it's been 28 days since they fired Ron Hextall, Chris Pryor, and Brian Burke. That checks up all their boxes. Now we can move on to the negatives a little bit. Is he prone to making decisions that go against, you know, just some of the forward thinking ways? Yes. For example, during the, he made a lot of moves this year. Traded Rasmus Sandin to Washington for Eric Gustafson. Didn't really understand what he was doing there. I thought, I think getting Jake McCabe was fine from Chicago. I don't think they needed to go out and get Sam Lafferty for vibes. When he was on the ice, the Leafs were only controlling 43, 44% of the expected goal share. He had one or two points during the whole entire playoff run. And they gave up quite a bit to get. I understand they were going all in. Still, a little bit of a weird move. He's also... He also signed Zach Bogosian to his team about a year or two ago. He's not really known for his skating. He's mainly known for his defensive play. Still kind of a weird signing there. And the biggest thing of all, and there's probably still other moves that I could get to, the biggest one of them all, the goaltending. It was a very weird choice to go into this season with Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray as your two starting goaltenders. Matt Murray, when healthy, is I think is decent. He's not where he once was in 2016-17, but can still win you games. It's just how often can you rely on him being healthy? Ilya Samsonov, very you know, questionable in Washington. Was okay at times this season. Got getting hurt was obviously sunk, but you know it was a big risk going into the season. They're, they're lucky they have Joseph Wall ready to go for next season if, if he's going to be on the team either as the starter or the backup. That, you know, that that part really scares me if Fenway is really considering him to be the next GM. So there's at least some positives, but there are some things that give me pause just because just based off his work this season. You know, we can go back to other seasons as well, but just based off this season, he made some moves where I was like, I'm not really sure that's going to move the needle much. You know, Zach Aston Reese, okay player, but he's not going to really score you any goals. Good defensive impacts though. But to keep on being fair, I can also go to some moves that he did well as well. You know, a couple years ago, you know, he got Mark Giordano. I think he's been fine for them. Traded for Jake Muzzin a few years ago when he was still pretty good. Obviously, I know he's fallen off a little bit. He's been banged up. 
couple right there. You know, TJ Brody, I thought at one time he was one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. He has the core four locked up. David Camp has been, David Camp has been good. Michael Bunsing has been a, a decent find for him, especially when he's not playing dirty, I guess. So there's some positives and there's some negatives. Again, is he an upgrade? Yes. Would I welcome him here as the GM? Yes. But I think the biggest thing is, and we're staying on track here, I don't know if the Penguins should give him full control over the hockey ops. And if that, if he if he wants total control, the Penguins don't want to give him to it, give him, give that to him, excuse me. He may have he may have to walk and they may have to go get someone else. But again, I think he's better than some of the options that are that are rumored to be out there right now. It's just that I think this this the only way this can work is if you surround him with quality hockey ops people. You can't just hire a bunch of yes men like Ron Hextall did that are just going to fall and be like, oh, yes, master, you, you, you do that, whatever, something like that, you know. You, you can't do that. So this is about to get really fun. Four weeks in, Elliot Friedman said today on the 32 Thoughts podcast, he thinks the Penguins want to wrap this up in the next couple of weeks. He also did say that the Penguins also wrapped up their first round of interviews. So they're going to move on to phase two. He said they talked to a lot of people, did not name any names. Go show how secretive this team is being with regards to the search. They are keeping this a massive secret. The only names that have been out there are really people that Frank Sardali put out there. And then Rob Rossi had Jay Greenberg or the Blackhawks. If you count those up, five to six names in four weeks. There is not much out there. But I think you could really start to see this ramping up over this next you know, few days, week two or two with Dubis, and especially if Toronto just decides not to bring him back, because I do think there are going to be some changes there. You know, you, you can't lose in five. Even though the games are close, I don't think you can get away with losing in five games to a team that I think a lot of people expected you to be. Even though the Panthers beat the Bruins in seven games, and that was a great accomplishment, coming back from 3-1 down, I, I think a, a good chunk of people, I mean, I, I, I'll take the L on this, still pick the Leafs to win. I'm, I'm 0-2 in series predictions right now. I picked the Devils and the Leafs to win this round. Yep. Massive. I had six of eight in the first round. <laughs> so we'll have to see what happens with the West series. But that'll do it for this episode. Let me know your thoughts. Do you think Kyle Dubas is a good fit for the Penguins? Do you think he should be given total control of the hockey ops? Do you see Fenway Sports Group really going after him and throwing him a bag? Let me down around in the comments on YouTube. Also send me, you can also send me a DM on social media and all that stuff. So that wraps up this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, we are basically done with all the forwards for our season reviews. We're not going to do Brock McGinn and those guys that are not on the team anymore. We are going to start with a defenseman. And of course, I think you all know which one I am going to start with. So that's coming up right after this commercial break. But before we get into that, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, you can head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guarantee Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that part will fit. Or you will get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game where you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. 
eBay guarantee fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Ellen Shaw Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen today. We're free and available on all platforms. Okay, so let's jump right into this. So continuing our season reviews, we have to start with Chris Letang for defenseman. We got through all the forwards again. I'm not really going to do Brock McGinn, Teddy Gluger, and Kasperi Cavan. They're not really on the team anymore. They had underwhelming seasons, to say the least. I don't really think it's worth it to just do them at this point. But we're going to continue with our defenseman. Chris Letang played 64 games this year. 12 goals, 41 points in 64 games. Back-to-back seasons of double-digit goals. Also, the fourth time in the last five seasons that he has scored 10 or more goals in a season. Points were a little lower this past season. Actually, um, they were cut in half last season. He played 78 games. 10 goals, 58 points in those 78 games before that. Actually, excuse me, 10 goals, 68 points um, in 78 games this season. Again, almost cut in half. Well, 68 to 41. I was looking at the assists real quick. That was me being stupid. But 41 points, still pretty decent. He struggled at the early parts of the season. No, I don't think that's a secret to anybody. His play in the defensive zone was lacking. He wasn't producing as much offense. Had the stroke, which was obviously awful. And now he's a finalist for the Masterton, by the way. I have him winning it. I, I don't think it would be a total snub if he lost it because I think Clayton Keller, with what he had to go through with that gruesome, I think it was a leg injury, that would be a deserving winner. It won't be as bad as when Devin Dubnik won for remembering how to play goaltender again. That said, <clears throat> I will still be bummed out if Latang does not win because it'll be the second time he's lost after coming back and playing some really good hockey from a stroke. So I do have him winning after that. And then after the injury that he had, and when his he was also hurt when his dad passed away, he just went through the ringer this season, people. He really did. <laughs> Stroke, his dad passing got hurt, but he came back and played, excuse me, some really strong hockey for the Penguins down the stretch. I I was pretty impressed with his play in the final month or two of the season. I understand the Penguins did not get in the playoffs, but I don't think it was his fault by any means. 64 games, over 1,200 minutes of ice time at five on five for the Penguins. When he was on the ice, the Penguins had 51.7%. Of the shot attempts, they also had about 50% of the goals for, 54% of the expected goal share, which is very good, 52% of the scoring chances, 54% of the high danger chances for, 50% of the high danger goals for shot 7.5% this season. So the numbers all back it up. Very good year for Latang again, but I do think he has another level to reach for next season. 
it may, it may sound a little weird just because he's getting up there in age, but I still think he has some really good hockey ahead of him. <clears throat> he's going to have a full offseason to train. The, the other stroke is behind him. You know, it's been a little bit since his dad passed away. Obviously, you know, he'll, he'll carry that forever just because, you know, losing a family member is so hard. But he is going, he is one of the hardest workers during the offseason. And, he, you know, he, his conditioning is just through the roof, people. I mean, we all see when he plays 28, 30 minutes a night, he looks like he hasn't even broken a sweat yet. You know, I'm I'm really excited for what he can do for this team next season. The biggest thing for him, and I, I think he will really benefit from this next season, is getting him a new defensive partner. Whether that's someone via trade, for agency, or it's Marcus Patterson sliding up to a full time role, I I would personally still, if if it were up to me, I wouldn't mind Patterson being up there. I would still go out there and get him a new partner, someone like a prime Brian Dumoulin, because. You know, when when Latang, I understand Latang is going to say, I am most comfortable around Dumoulin. I would like him to come back. What else is he going to say, people? He's not just going to trash a teammate that he's had a lot of great success next to. But the time has come for him to transition to playing with someone else. And that, I think, is another main reason why he could be in line for a big year next year. Playing with someone that has Dumoulin capabilities of being responsible in his own in their own defensive zone. Someone who can break the puck up the ice when Latang doesn't have to do it all himself, and someone who can provide a little more offense will go a long way to helping Tanger. Also, someone again who can cover up for Tanger's mistakes because we all know there are games each season where Latang does not have it. He stinks. Like and there's probably about mm, what 10 to 15 each season where he's just really bad. But I will still take. If he's fully healthy for a season, plays all 82 games, and he has 10 to 15 games off, and he's great for the other 65 to 70 games, something like that, I will take that any day of the week for my number one defenseman. Yeah, he just he's always rotten in some games. That that's how he always is. But he is still great. He had another good season, and I think he's in line for another great one next year too. Um, again. Start off the season tough. His underlines were not good, but he was able to rebound down the stretch and play some pretty solid hockey for this. I'm not going to say it was as good as it was last season because it was not. Latang was actually awesome the season before this one, but I still think this year he was mostly good and that should continue only next season, even though he's a bit older. So overall, my Latang grade, I'll give him about a B plus, you know, B B plus. Not the be- not his best work, but still. Solid enough from your number one defenseman, even though he's getting up there. So really like his work. Solid grade from him. Again, really curious to see what this new management regime does with potentially getting him a new defensive partner. Because again, I I have that at the top of my priority list for this team this offseason. But that does it for this segment of the Long Tom Penguins podcast. Coming up to end the show, we're going to miss himself about the World Championships. Also get into more of the playoffs, maybe the Eastern Conference final preview and all that. So don't go anywhere. Stick around for that coming up after this commercial break. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Elmshore Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen in the day. We're free and available on all platforms. You all will probably be listening to this late Friday night into Saturday. Again, I wanted to – I was going to record this earlier in the day, but I, I kind of was like, oh, I might just wait until after the lease game just to see if we can talk about Kyle Davis, which, you know, I'm glad I did because we did have that full segment early on. But – um, the world championship started today and Drew O'Connor put on a show. He was great in the exhibition game earlier this week with two goals and an assist. And he was awesome again. And that was, that one was against Germany, but he was awesome again today over Finland scored three points again in a four, one win over them. He was said he, he is centering a line with checks notes, Red Wings prospect, Carter, Missouri, and Canadians prospect Sean Farrell, you better be able to carry those kind of players considering they're not even in the, the NHL full-time yet. And sure enough, he did. And he was actually promoted to the first line that had Alex Tuck and Rocco Grimaldi on there. He broke the tie midway through the third period. Blue wrister right past Emil Larmy, who I'm sure some of you all recognize that name, former Pittsburgh Penguins goaltending prospect, makes it 2-1. to one. So... He had the game-winning goal for the team for Team USA in this, and then he also made another great play that sprung that sprung Grimaldi and had the primary assist on it to make it three-one. He was awesome today, and that's what you want to see. I know he's not playing with some also all-star talent on his regular line. I know he got promoted, but it's still what you want to see from someone who you know will definitely be. Very much in the mix to play a lot next season. I mean, if it's up to me, I think he should be playing full-time. But really nice start from him. We also saw Casey DeSmith. He got the start in goal for Team USA. He actually earned player of the game. 23 saves on 24 shots. Congratulations to him. Nick Benino, though, did not record a point. But still, congratulations to DeSmith. Andrew O'Connor, really strong efforts for Team USA. Today, I had, this, I had the uh, stats in front of me. I want to make sure I had my notes correct from um, what I recorded down earlier. But that's all from the World Championships right now. We'll have more coverage on that next week. We have an Eastern Conference final set up. Carolina versus Florida, a Southeast Division clash. I don't know who I'm going to take it. I'm I'm leaning Carolina. I know. Fool me once. You know, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool me three times. Well, be some problems there, but I like the way Carolina's playing. I obviously I love that I love how Florida's playing. They had that team of destiny type feel, but Carolina, the way they smother the opposition, I think is going to be really tough for the Panthers. So right now, if you're asking me, and there's a chance they could get Tavo Teravine back, I would favor the Canes ever so slightly, but no one should be surprised if the Panthers win that game, win that series, and get to their first final since well. In the same year they got to their, to their last Eastern Conference final. This last year, funny enough, when they beat the Capitals in the first round of the playoffs, that was their first series win since 96. <laughs> that was how long it had been. And that, of course, again, that was the last time they got to the Eastern Conference final. So it's pretty crazy. Again, I did not expect that to be the East final, but it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some fresh blood. You know, this is the first time that we're not going to have a Washington, Pittsburgh, 
Tampa Bay in an Eastern Conference final or Stanley Cup final in quite a long time. Going back, I'm trying to think here. Last three years, Tampa was in it. Washington was in 2018. Pittsburgh before that, Tampa was in there as well against Pittsburgh. Tampa Bay was in the final in 2015. It's been really rare over the last eight years when one of those three teams is not in the Eastern Conference final. Changing of the guard here. I know Carolina was just in it a few years ago, but definitely a bit of a weird feeling to not see one of those three teams in there. And I know Washington's falling off a little bit. I think the main one will probably be Tampa because they've been at the top of the league, but Pittsburgh as well. You know, changing of the guard here in the NHL. Dallas up three games to two on Seattle. I think Dallas is the best team left. They can beat you in so many different ways. The young guys are killing it. Jason Robertson finally woke up in game five. Rupe Hens is awesome. They have the goalie. They have the defense. They have the defenseman. They have the forward depth. I think that's proving to be too much for Seattle right now. But of course, you should never count the cracking out. That should be a fun game six on Saturday night. And then right now you have the Vegas Edmonton game five, which is still ongoing. Last I checked, it was two to one. I'll have to see if that holds going into game six, which will be back in Edmonton. But that does it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Really appreciate all of you listening slash watching. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Monday of next week. Five fresh new episodes. We'll continue our season reviews, continue for updates on the GM search and all of that good jazz. So again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk with you all next week. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.